0: To Totalis Rankium this week, Rover Cleveland Part Two. Hello and welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie and I am Rob and this is twenty two point two. Well, that's nice. In the year twenty
1: twenty, it's not the second of February though. No. Yeah, but it is Grover Cleveland.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, in a way. <laughs> but also, I still keep thinking about the horrible things and the horrible person, the fact he was just horrible.
1: Yeah, no, he didn't come across
0: as the nicest of men, did he? Yeah. No. Oh,
1: well, maybe he can redeem himself. Maybe uh, this um... is his redemption episode. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, maybe it is. Let's right, start. Well, you'll have to see. Let's see. I've forgotten to write an intro for this episode, um, so I'm going to wing it more than usual if you want to start us off.
0: Wonderful. So it's a snowy scene. Right, okay. Um, but the snow... <laughs> no, I can still make this work. Keep going. Um, but it's midnight, so you can't see the snow. Mm. Well, you've got to work with it. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Off you go. Okay. Oh, and it's July. Okay, that still works. Possibly. <laughs> I don't go for it, was, it.
1: don't think it was quite July. Anyway, open on snow, drifting through the air. There's no sound. Just the drifting of snow, just white flecks, drifting, drifting. Okay. And then you start seeing like the tops of some buildings, some scaffolding in the distance as an American flag, just because I'm a lazy filmmaker and I want to establish where we are. Yeah. Well, nice and early on. Do you get
0: the article, the little writing on the bottom again? The third?
1: The, the lower third? No, no, lower I'm doing third. it with flags. Washington, D.C. No, I'm not doing that. No. You know how um, in American dramas, if anyone goes to England, they always <laughs> go into a pub with a massive Union Jack on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which we just don't have in this country, by the way. Mm. Yeah, so, um, a bit like that. So, anyway, it's all in very very slow motion. This is like the flag is slowly drifting, drifting, flapping in the wind via the snow. The snowflakes are drifting. Yeah. Then you realise, as the sound muffled starts to come in, you're hearing a rumble sound. Rumble, 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 rumble. Slower, rumble. slower. Get rumble. one of those rumbles and stretch it out for about 30 seconds. Yeah, it's about oh. that. It's just, <laughs> it's just growing in intensity. It's like this
0: really big, meaty noise that's happening. I, I, I'm not quite be, I, I can't picture that in my ear. That sounds weird, but I can't hear the sound. You're trying to like a rumble, like a earthquakey sound, or like a—it's
1: almost as if factory. Sound. It's an explosion in slow motion. Oh, okay. Because it's an explosion in slow motion. Wow. And at this point, the camera starts to speed up a bit, and it goes down, and you realise that those snowflakes aren't snow at all. It's ash. Oh, what a twist. What a twist. What a twist. And you look down at this sort of market square from a di- from a top. You're like, like a drone cam. Yeah. And you just see people running and screaming in slow motion as there is this explosion in the middle of this market square. Then, as people are running away, don't fade to black, just Cleveland- just sort of forms on the screen out of the ash why not let's go for that (laughs) yeah out of the ash Cleveland and then slam to black
0: Nice. Yeah, so there we go. Okay, I'm intrigued. That's good. Yeah, we'll
1: come back to that. But for now, if you remember, Cleveland, we left him. He's just been elected the 22nd President of the United States. Yes. Uh, he had found the election stressful. I mean, those newspapers kept saying things about him, things that he got up to. Yeah, I mean, no
0: matter how true they are, there isn't matters. isn't Yeah,
1: but he had one, and he was willing to put the rumours about him behind him. He was going to be magnanimous about it. In fact, he uh, wrote to a friend... I intend to cultivate the Christian virtue of charity towards all men except the dirty class that defiled themselves with filthy scandal and ballism. Ballism. Yeah, uh, Reverend Ball uh, was mm. a reverend from Buffalo, and he had been one of the leading voices speaking out about the whole Maria Halpin thing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I can continue the quote here. I don't believe God will ever forgive them, and I am determined never to do so
0: myself. If that was a tweet in capital letters, I'd be <laughs> uncanny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> I love you. I intend to cultivate the Christian virtue of charity. Except for the... Because <laughs> that's how charity works.
0: Oh, yeah, of course,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, it's still, still lovely as ever. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> he decides to uh, fill his cabinet with uh, bourbon. Good with, man. Or bourbon, if we're pronouncing it after the whiskey. Not the biscuits. Uh, yeah. Deutsch Bourbon Democrats. That's who he's going to put in his cabinet. These are men who publicly supported civil service reform and small business, uh, but in actuality, in real life, because this is the Gilded Age, uh, they had many ties to big businesses and the railroads, and they had just as many yeah. fingers in pies as many bleeding Republicans did. His selections did not cause any waves, so I'm not going to go over who they were.
0: (laughs) All right.
1: (laughs) No, uh, by this time, the importance of the presidency in the public eyes was very much on the wane. There was no pressing political issues to really force interest. No one really cared who the president was that much anymore. If if you were talking about people of power, people were talking about the um, JP Morgans of the world. Right. the Jay Goulds of the world, the Robber Barons, or maybe the tweeds the the people who own the big businesses.
0: We should do a bit on J.P. Morgan, because I've um, watched a bit about him on, uh, on YouTube. It's quite interesting life. Yeah. He's a bit of a nasty person.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's odd, these Robber Barons. You didn't get many nice ones. It's How odd weird, that. It's but... almost as if you had to be a certain type of person to
0: happily just rip off half the nation. Well, apparently he had a, a, a deformed nose as well. what well, did he? And he, he heavily cens- censored all of his photographs he had of himself. Oh, that is interesting. Any photograph you see of him, his nose has been changed. But there's one photograph that was taken. And it's of him raising his cane to beat the photographer. <laughs> and they got, <laughs> they got the photograph of him. He tried to buy the pictures <laughs> off him. They didn't. And they got they got leaked. It's interesting. That is brilliant. Yeah.
1: We will. I keep saying it. We're going to do some special episodes. There is a plan in place. It just might not happen for a while. That's right. But we are going to do some non-presidents at some cool. point. So I think, I think I think J P Morgan could go on the list. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the the plan is to move away slightly from powerful white men just to see more of the country, but I think we could do the occasional just horrible person like J.P. Morgan, just to see. The influence is inarguable as well. So, So, anyway, that's by the by, because right now, we're still talking about Cleveland, and he's not making huge waves. Cleveland arrived in the capital, uh, the first time he'd ever been there, interestingly. I mean, he had no experience of Washington whatsoever. (laughs) What a dump! (laughs) Well, yeah, they've, they've got Got the the big obelisk now, though. Is it finished by now? Yes. Oh. Yeah, literally just, they have just finished building but it. He
0: it's, steps off the train onto Washington, final cap zone just put on. Yeah, exactly. Cleveland walks past. Pff, dump. <laughs> 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 that will be the first thing
1: to go. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it took a while to build that, but it's big. Mm. It's impressive. It takes a while to build. Yeah. So there you go. Now, from now on, when you're imagining the Washington scene, yeah. picture the big pointing thing in the big, middle. phallic looking image. Exactly. So yeah, he's in the capital. Um, first thing he does is go and visit Arthur in the White House. Yeah, Chester. Chester, good old Chet. They'd met a couple of times before, they weren't strangers and Arthur happily gave Cleveland a tour around the White House, which is nice.
0: Here are the toilets. <laughs> We've got, uh, excuse the excuse glass, the glass walls, but that was a uh... Tiffany's idea from a few years ago.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. It would be a bit like that. It's, yeah. uh, it looks a bit like the Crystal Palace right now. It we do. Yeah. <laughs> so, he settles in, shall we say. Then came the inaugural address. Cleveland surprised many by giving his speech from memory. Didn't you say he's quite good at that? Yeah, this is not a party trick of his. Uh, it wasn't the done thing in the day. He'd just deliver a speech, uh, only 15 minutes long, yeah. um, and apparently quite uninspiring. Uh, but, <laughs> from memory, So everyone went, oh, yeah, he can remember 50 whole minutes of words. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Several actors in the crowd, just seriously, it's not that. <laughs> no.
0: yeah. I mean, considering you do the podcast from, you know, memory. Oh, yeah, does, yeah. No, I'd no, say it's, that's more impressive.
1: No, that's, that's very impressive, yeah. He did state that they must treat the Native American population better.
0: That's nice.
1: That's nice. Why is he saying that? Uh, what because, does he want from them? <laughs> he's saying that because that's literally what every single president has said in their inaugural address for quite some time now. also oh, it's tradition then. Uh, pretty much. Okay Yeah, it's just Yeah, we know that we're doing wrong But yeah What what are you going to do? We should sort it out We really should We'll get right on that We really will As soon as we stop figuring out how to make money From this situation (laughs) We will get right on that But still, it's a nice start It's a, a positive thing Yeah Even if you could question how genuine it is He then talked about the dangers of I quote, the servile class Servants, uh, people from China. Oh, yeah, remember, yeah. yeah, China's very much in for the racists. How they, and I quote here, compete with American labor with no intention of acquiring citizenship and bringing with them and retaining habits and customs repugnant to our civilization. Oh, yeah, so uh, the lashing of
0: racism, though, that's yeah, nice, yeah. Nice, you,
1: you just need that in your inaugural speech, don't you? Yeah, uh, straight after saying how they need to treat the Native Americans better,
0: yeah.
1: So anyway, that, that that goes down quite well. G- okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he then talked about how America wanted peace, commerce, and friendship with all nations in the
0: world. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except China.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Cleveland comes from that class of people who uh, fully believe that if they just say one thing that's not racist, it cancels out all the other racism. <laughs> so anyway. He's really after that redemption, isn't he? So. He is. He then went to settle into the White House. He immediately found out that he hated fancy French food. Really? Yeah, if you remember who's the chef at the White House at the moment, it's the, the guy who Arthur installed, okay, because he wanted the White House to be a bit more like down. Oh, Monaco's. classy, yeah, that yeah, was it. Yeah, Cleveland's he has no truck with this more than once he asked for the servants' food to be brought for him. Really? Yeah. Uh, he pined for pickled herring, apparently. No one pines for that. I, what I... kind of monster is this
0: Rover <laughs> Cleveland? Oh, my goodness.
1: He first racism, and then he likes pickled herring. Yeah. I mean, oh. uh, my mum, who listens to this, by the way, yeah. um, uh, tried to make me eat pickled herring once.
0: So you're quite you, you you're pretty you, you eat pretty much anything. Oh yeah, you're I am not, not you're fussy yeah. at all.
1: I'm really not. I eat practically anything. How was the pickled herring? It was awful. <laughs> It was truly bad. Wow, okay. Yeah. Imagine, fi- well, you don't like fish, but no. imagine you liked fish, Ugh. and then someone did something horrible to your fish. That'd be horrible. It was horrible, yeah. I can already hear people reaching for their phones to send us messages
0: about how lovely pickled herring is. Yeah, we sound kind of the right kind. Yeah. There is no right kind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Cleveland thought there was. He loved nothing more than a herring that had been shoved in a jar of vinegar for f- six months. What a monster. Yeah. Um, anyway, as was common with Cleveland, the first thing he did was go over the accounts to see if the White House was being swindled at all. Remember he did that when he became sheriff oh, and yeah. then mayor and then governor. He just goes over everything with a fine tooth comb. Is everything... On the up and up. Well, that's good, because you got to know what you've got. Yeah, as far as far as I could tell, um, he didn't really uncover anything like he did with the uh, when he was sheriff and when he was the mayor. He made some quite significant changes immediately, okay. but now everything seems to be okay. Is that just, do you think, because it's so much bigger? This is general day-to-day running of the White House. Oh, just the house. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like, are we being overcharged for the firewood kind of I'm thing. I'm with you. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he then starts his job proper. As Per usual, first shock was the office seekers. Yeah. yeah. Now, despite the whole civil service reform starting to kick in, yeah. uh, Cleveland was still inundated with people seeking favor for some past interaction with Cleveland. Oof. Unlike Arthur, Cleveland did not have office hours and then leisure time, like Arthur did. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, Cleveland, very much a, a workaholic. He had a... His desk was apparently only steps away from where he slept. Really? So he'd be able to get up and just take a few steps, sit down and start writing. Wow. Yeah, he was a busy man. In my head, that means that there's just a massive bed in the middle of the Oval Office. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Not that the Oval Office is there at this time, no. obviously, but that's what is nice in my think. head. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, apparently he'd, he'd get up... Uh, when the sun rose, and um, he'd be at his desk reading and writing uh, very shortly afterwards. As with his time as governor, he had thought about who the hostess of the mansion would be. And like last time, however, he did not decide that perhaps it would just be easier if he simply didn't entertain. Yeah. Because entertaining is kind of part of the job as president. Yeah, so Can't get away with it this time. Oh dear. So, lifelong bachelor, who's he going to send for? Oh, you're frantically searching your notes.
0: Frantic not Harold Francis Maria
1: <laughs> Maria would be awful <laughs> who is Maria <laughs> Maria happens the
0: person he um oh yeah. no not no. that one. <laughs> his dead friend's wife not his dead friend's wife Dead friend's wife's daughter. Not his dead
1: friend's daughter yet. That is Francis, who you just mentioned. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, no, this was his sister, Rose. Oh, okay. Who he thought about last time. Uh, Yeah, he's going to bring Rose along. Rose apparently was a highly intelligent, very serious woman uh, who loved to study and also saw no reason why her being a woman should hold her back. She had views, as the men would say at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, we're, we're really starting to see the, the, the start of women's suffrage movement starting to creep in. there. Yeah, and uh, Rose would have been someone who would have pointedly pointed out to Cleveland, it's a good way to point things out, pointedly, uh, that, yeah, now she can work as hard as any man. And apparently she did do a very good job of running the mansion whilst her brother ran the country. Now, Cleveland appears to have gone full into workaholic mode. Uh, He occasionally went fishing and had recently developed another hobby, the watching of a sports game. This was a game where men hit a ball with a bat and they ran around bases. Ball bat. Ball bat. Yes, you've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, Also known as baseball. Interesting. Yeah. It's like rounders. Yeah, rounders. I did read uh, there's a controversy about that. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Um, If you don't know, if you're in America, Rounders is a a game that's played in schools, but not really popular outside of schools, where you have bases in roughly a a pentagon shape, I think, and then you stand with a bat and someone bowls a a ball at you. You hit the ball with a bat and then you need to run around the bases. And then when you get to the end, you score points. There was an Englishman, after seeing baseball the first time, who said, oh, this is Rounders. And there was this huge campaign in America about how no... Baseball was invented in America by Americans. now nah, it's round. No, it yeah. quite clearly came from England, but did, yeah. there were some people who say it just independently sprung. What's that called?
0: It's called divergent evolution or something like. Yeah, so some, yeah, word. something like that. So maybe it's that. Yeah, yeah, not true. But That's maybe like saying, yes. This the the English we speak as well we invented that.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe some of the people who went over to America from Europe. Took some of their sports with them and they slightly changed over time. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, this baseball, it's been around for a while. The first mention of baseball in America, written down, apparently is in 1791. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it went over uh, early. Yeah. It was an unregulated game, apparently, with ever-changing rules for about 50 years. Uh, I don't know how ever-changing, like halfway through a game Change the bat size (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, in about 1845, the Knickerbocker rules were written down by the New York Knickerbockers So uh, they had a set way of playing in New York Yeah. It still wasn't hugely popular though Apparently up until the 1850s, cricket was far more popular in America than baseball was Which I had no idea about But yeah, apparently cricket, big thing in America for a while Interesting Cricket yeah. Cricket wow.
0: Yeah Can't get anything more English than that can you
1: No I mean Not that many people like cricket in England it anyway. No. It's boring Incredibly down. boring We're offending so many people today <laughs> You know that there is a pickled herring cricket loving listener out there <laughs> Who will never listen to us again Yeah <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, the Civil War apparently helped the growth of the game. There you go, silver lining for the Civil War. Men all around the country, or at least all around the North, uh, would gather together and play baseball. And soon, for whatever reason, it was the New York style that caught on. So everyone started playing the New York style of baseball. And then when everyone went back to their home states, the New York style spread. So there was now more consistency in the game, which is uh, quite nice. Hmm. By 1870, professional teams had started to emerge and play in leagues that were being formed, including the Chicago White Stockings and the Boston Red Stockings. They changed to Boston Red Sox, is that why? I'm guessing so. I didn't even think to check. I just assumed they did. (laughs) Uh, Mm. Yeah. Uh, Then in the 1880s, the sport was popular enough through the north of the country. It wouldn't become popular throughout the whole country, apparently, until after World War II. Okay. Uh, But in the, like, the north-east of the country, it's really popular. I guess it would have been quite regional then, but with, you know, after World War II, starting to get television. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can spread it more. Um, So in the 1880s... uh, Especially up in like the Buffalo area, and then you got. Boston and Chicago Uh, yeah baseball became really popular and obviously that's where Cleveland was so he became a big fan. In fact he had been friends with one of the Buffalo Bison players when he was sheriff. So not long after becoming president the Chicago White Stockings came to Washington for a game and Cleveland invited the team to come to the White House so there you go first time we've seen a a sports team being invited to the White House
0: He served them all
1: McDonald's (laughs) He didn't serve them McDonald's no because he's not weird. Uh, In return they invited him to come and see the game. Yeah. Cleveland declined, stating that the public would not expect him to, and I quote, waste my time going to a ball game. Ooh. I can only imagine there was an awkward pause after that. <laughs> so he was I have to quite say, in that way, sir. I mean, <laughs> talking to the professionals who yeah. played the sport. <laughs> oh, I love the sport, but I wouldn't waste my time watching
0: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Have a good day. In Cleveland's defense, I'm guessing he did want to go and see the game, but. It's the optics of his. Yeah, it? I'm, it's the I'm optics. here wasting time playing a game or watching yeah. a game. I should be at work. So, yeah, maybe he didn't say it in quite so, such a yeah. snooty way, especially not with the English accent. Anyway, Cleveland was actually uh, very sensitive about what the press said about him. After all, he was still very angry with the way the whole Maria Halpin affair had been handled by the press. I mean, they'd. Told the truth. Told off the truth and stuff. I mean, it was awful. And because of this, he became openly hostile with the press. He would not let the press into the White House. (laughs) Instead, they'd have to stand outside the mansion and wait for people to enter or leave if they wanted to get a quote on something. Interesting. So, when there were rumours about Cleveland's love life that started to circulate, the press found it very hard to get details. But, we know the details now. Yay! If you remember, which I know you do... Grover had a good friend named Oscar, Oscar Folsom, who was, it would appear in some unknown way, involved in the whole Maria Halpin affair. And then he had died in a carriage accident. Yes. Grover was put in charge of the family's estate and essentially became the guardian of Oscar's widow, Emma, and their 10, 11-year-old daughter, Frank. Her name was Frank. I said Francis last week. Yeah. Uh, her name was actually Frank, named after an uncle, which is oh. brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Love the names. Um, yeah, when she grew up, she decided Francis maybe would suit her a bit better. Can't um, blame her for that. Yeah. But no, it's Frank. Uh, Grover and Francis had met when Grover was 27 and Francis was zero. Right. She grew up referring to Grover as Uncle Cleve. Nothing creepy about that. No. <laughs> and uh, Uncle Cleve would always call Francis by her real name, Frank. Uh, when Oscar died, Uncle Cleve became closer to the family, as I said, Frank being 11 at this time. Uh, and then she grew up some more. And then she went to Wells College in New York when she was 18. Cleveland asked Emma, the widow, for permission to write to Francis. And permission was given. The two exchanged letters for some time, and it soon became romantic in nature. And then he proposed.
0: Was oh, twenty-seven years her senior?
1: Yeah, and like literally watched her grow up. Oh, that's no. Like bought her baby crib
0: for her. Oh, no. Probably played dolls and all sorts. It's just not. Oh, creepy uncle. It's just, he is... Creepy Uncle Cleve. He's Creepy Uncle (laughs) (laughs) Cleve.
1: Unfortunately, he is. Uh, One of their letters survives, by the way. So we have one of their letters. Oh, go on. Uh, This is Cleveland to Francis. Right. He's already proposed, so they are engaged, although it's... uh, very quiet not surprised my message went to congress last tuesday it's a pretty long one but if you could see all the papers say about it and hear all the people talk of it i honestly think you would be proud of your old man While I love you, Frank, as dearly as I can, it pleases me very much to read what you write about your improvements and all that. I am glad to believe that you appreciate something that is before you as the wife of the president and the lady of the White House. I guess there never was anyone so young and so unused to such responsibilities who occupied the place before, and my anxiety is, my darling child, that you should be as well prepared for it as possible. Of course, the more other people admire and praise you, the more proud I should be. But I love you just exactly as you are and just for what you are. And that, darling, you must never doubt. Write me all the time, darling, and tell me just exactly how much you love me and if you love me better and better or less and less. Ew. Lots of love. Uncle Cleeve. Oh, I made that last bit up Thank probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your old man, yeah. little girl. Yeah, he's he's approaching fifty. Yeah, Ooh. she's she's like twenty. It's, it's just like there's nothing there's nothing illegal. wrong. There's nothing no. illegal. It's just slightly icky, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Anyway, the reason why the press were having a hard time figuring out the room of the president's love interest is that he was clearly interested in a wholesome woman, but they couldn't really figure out whether it was Emma or Francis. Emma made more sense. The uh, the widow of his friend They're yeah. roughly the same age But all of the evidence is pointing To the child <laughs> So uh, yeah they were struggling to piece this together When he was asked whether he was engaged to Francis He responded I am not going to say a word on the matter But let you go on in your way until you get tired Of dragging the name of the poor defenseless child Into cruel publicity The wedding date was set and the service was To take place in Francis's grandfather's house Unfortunately, Grandad died just before the wedding. Uh, Cleveland did not want a church wedding, and they couldn't go to Grandad's house anymore. Hmm. So it was decided the White House would be the perfect place.
0: Oh. Yeah. This will be the first wedding at the White House. We've seen a wedding before,
1: Mm. but we've not seen a president get married before. So yes, it's the first presidential wedding. They got married on June the 2nd. Uh, All the cabinet and their wives were in attendance, apart from one cabinet member, who stated that he had vowed never again to attend any festive event after his wife had died. Which I think, personally, was just the first excuse he came up with. Yeah his wife is alive and well yeah or oh, died like years ago yeah and it's it's a like a one one use trick that though isn't it and you've really got to commit to that one <laughs> and you have to have committed all before as well because you can imagine that but you're at the Christmas party Greg well that's I mean, it Greg can't go to any more parties for no. the rest of his life but maybe he felt it was worth it to skip this wedding who knows mm. <laughs> anyway after the service a dinner was served and congratulatory messages were read out including one from Queen Victoria oh yeah uh, then the couple headed to maryland to have their honeymoon unfortunately the press found out about the location cleveland was forced to accept the fact that the public wanted to know about the man nearly 50 marrying the 21 year old yeah in fact the public largely thought that it was a splendid thing cleveland was seen largely as a non-entity in most of the country
0: all right so who's the president Oh, that Cleveland fella. Okay. It kind of shows that most people just thought the presidents were interchangeable. They all did the same things.
1: Yeah, you get the feeling it really was at this point. There ever since maybe Grant, because Grant was a big name. I mean, he won the war. Yeah. But ever since then, it's just been one sort of nondescript yeah. hairy man after another who's in bed with big business. What does it matter who the president is? But, oh, but now, a young, beautiful wife is on the scene. Almost like a princess figure. I mean, the country doesn't have royalty for that weird yeah. obsession of following prince. So, I mean, this will do. We've yeah. got Francis now. Yeah. Princess Frank. By all accounts, she seemed to be very pleasant and very welcoming to those she met. Really good with people. Just easy to get on with. Just a nice person. Mm. Uh, those in the Republican Party started to openly say that Cleveland's going to be a lot harder to beat in the next election now that he was married to such a person. She made him better. Meanwhile, Cleveland was trying to juggle the fact that the civil service reform was supposed to get rid of the endless revolving door of jobs. Yeah. And the fact that the Democrats... Have been out of power for an entire generation and now there are a lot of democrats that wanted jobs yeah yeah now the reformers in particular the republican mugwumps who came over to support the democrats in the election were horrified when the president caved into pressure and started shipping out thousands of republicans for democrats simply because of their party affiliation mm. so small government jobs yeah You're a registered Republican, sorry you're fired This kind of stuff was supposed to end But, I mean, the Republicans have been in for so long The Democrats just want to get some of their people in Yeah,
0: well, yeah, I mean, that's probably fair
1: (laughs) (laughs) More tensions arose when Congress approved a bill That would approve a pension for all soldiers Who fought for the United States during the Civil War That's nice Of course, that only means northern troops Cleveland vetoed the bill immediately Why? We're only two decades from the end of the war
0: hmm. I
1: know we've had a few episodes since but we're only 20 years off the Civil War yeah. there were still a lot of Democrats who had strong feelings shall we say about the Confederacy
0: right so he
1: just want, he wants to bury the bad blood Cleveland saw it as unfair that um, only northern soldiers got a pension hmm. There were people who risked their lives in the south, and they don't get a pension. Yeah, uh, you can see that argument. There were hundreds of thousands of men who were forced to fight for reasons that didn't really matter to them, but they were told to go and fight. Well, it's money and food for them? Isn't it? Yeah, and there were people in the south starving and injured. Um, and yeah. why should only the Northerners get a pension? You can see that argument, but then you can see the flip argument, which is. They were literal traitors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, should we really be paying pensions to people who were traitors? Fought against this. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. Um, but you can imagine the South loved it, the North hated it.
0: He yeah. vetoed
1: the pension bill. It did not help that people started talking about how Cleveland had dodged the draft by paying for someone else to go to war for oh, him. About that. the Polish yeah. guy. Yeah. And now he was stopping men who had served from getting a pension. Yeah, does not good, does it? No. And then Cleveland's war secretary uh, decided to issue an order that all captured Confederate flags and banners must be returned. Like trophies. Yeah. Aww. That didn't go down well. Hey. It's like well why should they have it them back we won? They're yeah. traitors. It's not their flag anyway. <laughs> now, those who had opposed the Democrats coming into power, saying that all they wanted to do was bring back the Confederacy, I mean, they were pretty much laughed at.
0: Right.
1: All of a sudden, it started sounding less ridiculous. I mean, the, twenty years is a short and a long time at the same time. So it's, like it's not that far from the Civil War, but it's long enough politically for people to start feeling comfortable again. And all yeah, of a yeah. sudden, we're starting to hear about anger in North and South. Yeah. However, it wasn't just the North that Cleveland was angering because a drought hit Texas. People really started to suffer. The farmers' crops were failing. Famine starts to kick in. I mean, it's not good times in Texas. A a bill was put together that would support the farmers so they wouldn't go under and uh, hopefully the economy could tick over in that state still. Got a great idea, lads. Cactus farms. Exactly. It was a good bill. It was going to work. Uh, Cleveland vetoed it. Oh? Yeah. It was not for the federal government to aid people within a state. That is the state's government's job. Not the federal government. Ah. Don't forget, the Bourbon Democrats' states' rights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're back to this age-old argument. In fact, I'll quote him here. Though the people support the government, the government should not support the people. What? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a political statement that would not go down well nowadays.
0: No, 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 at all.
1: But remember, in their minds, small government. Yeah, they don't want a government that can overpower. They want small government that just like deals with the little bits. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe. However, there was one area that the president felt he could intervene in. And that was business. And that meant tariffs. Now last time I skirted round tariffs by saying, Oh, Arthur probably wasn't too interested in tariffs. We'll talk about it next time. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it a little bit this time. Really I was hoping. For I that. know, I know. It's like, can I get away with just not talking about tariffs? But you kinda have to <laughs> to understand what's going on. Brilliant. Can't wait. Okay, so You ready for the the little tariff tangent? Oh, I can't wait. I I might have to wee first because I'm just. Okay, you you go for a break. All right. And then when you come back, we tariff it up. Yes. Just so we're clear, everyone listening, because I will forgive you if you're not fully up-to-date with tariff knowledge, or just generally what they are, because you hear the word tariff and you switch off. That's human nature. I assume it's a payment for the selling of goods to yeah. other countries, right? Yeah, tariffs are just a tax on foreign imports. Yeah, that so. the other country pays. No. So, oh. if <laughs> if Chad from New Jersey wants to buy something from Europe, what's he want right. to buy? Uh, a new baseball. He wants to buy a new baseball. For some reason, let's say, in this hypothetical situation, all the best baseballs are produced in Hull, England, obviously. Yeah. So where are you going to buy your baseballs from? Hull, in England. Yeah. Now, to get those baseballs, you'll have to send overseas for your baseball. They get put on the baseball ship, dedicated ship that they had. Yeah. And it sailed over the seas. It arrives in New York. And all the baseballs are taken off and sold. Right. If there's a tariff on baseballs, however, there is then an extra tax on buying those
0: baseballs that go to the United States government. That the buyer has to pay. Yeah. Is that almost, not quite a punishment, but uh, you're buying from somewhere else, so we're going to... Yes, gonna... exactly. Aha, okay. Yeah. So when there's a tariff war between China and there is a tariff, that doesn't hurt China. Oh, no, it hurt the companies because they won't want to buy from China because people won't buy it from their company. Got yeah, it. Um, despite what the current president apparent
1: understanding is tariffs are paid for by the consumers of the country raising them. Right, okay. Trump quite often says something very different. That's not true. Okay. (laughs) Wait, not true. Wait for his episode. Uh, Scoop, I (laughs) mean... I know, stop the press. <laughs> um, so, in that case, then what's the point in having tariffs? Well, in the 19th century, there were two main reasons. Number one, raise money for the government. Yep. Uh, particularly in the Civil War when the government needed money quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Number two, protect domestic manufacturing. If the American baseballs that are inferior are artificially cheaper, because you've got to pay extra for the foreign stuff, US citizens will start buying the US products. Those US companies will then become richer and, in theory, will start producing better products and generally doing better. Mm. Or the robber baron who owns the company will pocket all the money. But, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, during the election, the Democrats had pretty much stated similar aims to the Republicans in regards to tariffs, which is keep the tariffs high. Remember me saying the two parties didn't really have many differences? Yeah, Yeah, So the idea was keep the tariffs high because it would protect the American industries right. That's what the Republicans said. The Democrats said, however, it was to protect the workers. If the factories go under, people will lose their jobs. So they came up with different reasoning, but it would still keep the tariffs high. However, as with many things, it's actually a bit more nuanced than that, because most Democrats actually wanted to lower tariffs, particularly in the South. But they were just a little bit too afraid that if they said that out loud, the electorate wouldn't like it. Now, the reason why the South in particular wanted lower tariffs is because the high tariffs were bad news for most farmers, who often relied on imported goods to run their farms. Not only this, many people were angry that in this day and age where the poor were getting poorer and the government seemed to be absolutely raking it in, um, why are the government making such a profit on tariffs still? I mean, can understand it during the Civil War. There was a war on, but why, why now? In fact, where's all this public money going? Who's Who's making this money? Where's it going? What's it being spent on? What's going on here? In fact, both parties argued that the revenue made through tariffs must come down. It was admitted, no, we're making too much money as a government. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting suspicious. (laughs) Ah, ho, Mr Morgan. (laughs) New carriage? (laughs) We'll get to that. Yeah, so both parties say, yeah, no, we need to bring the tariffs down. We shouldn't be making a profit. We should be running the country. But the two parties were very split on uh, deciding how to bring that surplus down. Turn it down. Yeah, well, the Democrats said, just reduce the tariffs. The lower the tariff, the less money the government would make. Yeah. The Republicans said, oh no, put the tariffs up. Because if you put the tariffs up, there'll be fewer imports into the country. If there are fewer imports into the country, less tax will be paid on those imports, so the tariffs will go down yeah it's a warped logic (laughs) right but In their heads They're actually thinking I'm going to lose cash here Oh yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Before you think That the Democrats And the Republicans Were genuinely trying To figure out a way Of making a better economy For the country No they just had Different opinions On how to make The businesses They were involved in More money Uh, So yeah It depends What industry they're in And other factors But yeah This was generally Politicians Had fingers in pies And they wanted to make money It's sad that That mentality Hasn't gone From any politician in any country. No. <laughs> no, no, it really hasn't. Anyway, once Cleveland had become president and he was installed into the cabinet, he soon became convinced by the large low tariff faction in his party. Due to this, he spent a lot of time arguing over this matter, like a huge amount of his time. He yeah. became obsessed with tariffs. A bill was introduced to reduce the tariff, uh, however, it failed to pass Congress. So that didn't work. Even so, some remarked that, oh well, at least it's good now the two parties actually have a difference. We have an ideological <laughs> split at last. And it's not okay. about slavery this time. So. <laughs> it's about We can talk about it. Yeah, it's about tariffs. And the great thing about debating about tariffs is most people don't care. No. I mean, it does affect them. But you say tariffs and people just tune out because why wouldn't you? I haven't been listening for the past 20 <laughs> minutes. So. I'm so, I'd be amazed if anyone had. No. Um, yeah, in the wider country, as you can imagine, very little attention was paid to these debates the inequality between the rich and the poor between the robber barons and the workers was ever widening and the cracks in society were starting to show no one cared about tariffs people were just annoyed or angered or outraged at the fact that these rich fat cats were sitting up on banker's hill raking it in workers in chicago had decided to strike demanding an eight-hour day but this time, employees could just tell you to work all the hours under the sun. And right. if you didn't, they could fire you. Uh, they wanted uh, an hour limit on how long their employers could make them work. Fair enough. Yeah, the factory owners in the city refused, and the city ground to a halt when the workers striked. struck. Went on strike. Went on strike. A citizen's group was hastily put together. Are this a was Indian? a... Oh, no, 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 other side. This was... The rich businessmen in the city formed a citizens' group. They were concerned as concerned citizens. They they need to decide what to do. It was decided that the two leaders of the strike, this was a man named Parsons and a man named Spies, would be watched. That's our quote here. Keep them in view. Hold them personally responsible for any trouble that occurs. Make an example of them if it does occur. Basically beat them up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, as you can imagine, tension in the city rises. Yeah, you've got a lot of angry people wanting to go to work because they're poor and they need to feed themselves and their families You've got people who don't want to go to work because they're fed up with being just abused by their employers And then you've got the rich people angry that they're not making as much money as usual There's a lot of angry people about yes a lot of people unhappy for very different reasons Yes on the 3rd of May business owners attempted to get new workers past the picket lines to go to work to break the strike. We're just bus some new men in, put them in the factories. They'll do. There's always someone desperate enough to work in these poor conditions. In the next few sentences, are you going to use the word riot at all? Riots then broke out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the police fired into the crowd. Four people died. Many were wounded. yeah. Now, Spies, one of the leaders of the strike, was outraged and rushed to a printing house that he had access to and printed the following. Revenge. Working men to arms. You have worked yourselves to death. Your children have sacrificed to the factory lord. Why? To satisfy the insatiable greed. To fill the coffers of your lazy, thieving masters. When you ask him to lessen your burdens, he then sends his bloodhounds out to shoot you. To arms, we call you to arms. He's really going for it, isn't he? Yeah, this is, uh, this is revolutionary talk. Yeah, but it, it has traction as well. Oh yes, a meeting took place in Haymarket the next day. Uh, About 3,000 people were gathered. Big meeting. Yeah, speeches were being had. Lots of people talking angry about how they have been treated by the factory owners. However, the weather was really bad that day. And uh, nothing really seemed to be happening. So as the day went on... The the crowd dwindled. There were only a few hundred a few hours later. Then 180 policemen arrived to break up the meeting. As arguing started... A bomb suddenly exploded in the middle of the police. (gasps) Yeah, this This is is the start. This is the start, yeah. The police started firing at the crowd indiscriminately, killing several people outright. No proof was ever found who detonated the bombs. I mean, there was just no way of telling. A bomb just went off. Parsons and spies were both hanged. Oh, wow. Yeah. Another leader of the strikers, while in his cell, placed a stick of dynamite in his mouth and then detonated it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. When That's I say... way to form a cavity, <laughs> oh, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> when I say things were simmering, I mean, it's it's really coming to the boil now. Yeah. There are a lot of angry people
0: about the sheer inequality of society. And if, if I were a Robert Barron at the time as well, I'd be possibly, very possibly putting money into the, the hands of police. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. The police were just owned by the rich, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back in Washington... Some in the political class started to realise that perhaps something more than lip service uh, needed to be done about this situation. They've been saying mm. for a while that we need to sort out the inequality in society, but no one really was doing anything. Maybe we need to do something. Like a climate change at the moment. Yeah, we I mean... We should probably do something, but we will at some point. Yeah, but... very much like that. Yeah, this kind of action is only a couple of steps away from full-blown revolution. Yeah... However, very much like the current climate crisis debate, I think that's a good comparison there, most politicians were fully on the side of big business owners if they weren't the big business owners themselves. Right. Anyway, Cleveland called for legislation that would, and I quote, provide for the arbitration of disputes between labouring men and employers. Again, lip service. No one really cared. And also, there's more exciting things going on. Oh, good. Because someone's going to build a colossus statue in the waters of New York. That's exciting. A what? A Colossus statue. Why? Why? I don't know. Um, It's just like the Colossus of Rhodes. It was great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Cleveland got to go and open it. Oh, nice. That was really good. Yeah. Uh, we don't have time to go into the ins and outs of just why certain people in France decided to raise money to build this Colossus statue and give it to America. Penny's just dropped, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes, has.
1: uh, but it was decided not long after the Civil War that a present to celebrate hundred years of the American Republic would be a good idea. Oh, nice. Yeah. France would pay for the statue, the United States would pay for the plinth. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know which one I'd rather be doing. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Much easier to spark the imagination. Down. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we're, what, you guys get to build the exciting statue and we're just going to build a, a rectangular block.
0: It's like a star, isn't it? It's like a star shape. Yeah,
1: uh, eleven, eleven 11-pointed star, if I remember
0: correctly. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's quite impressive to see, but it's smaller than you think. Oh, is it? Mm, I've not seen it in real life. Or it's far away. I <laughs> of...
1: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was It was President Grant who had accepted the offer It was Hayes who had chosen the site Or at least confirmed the site To raise funds for the building of this plinth Because, as I say, it's hard to raise funds for building a plinth yeah. uh, The arm with the torch was built first in France, shipped over to America and put on display in Philadelphia and then in New York. Oh, like an encouragement. Like, hey, yeah. look at this. look at this. Look at, look at this. Look, you can go and stand in the torch and everything. Look what we could have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then it was shipped back to... Um, to France. What? Yeah, so they could build the okay. rest of it. So,
0: I'm missing a photograph of the arm being built in France, or there's like yeah, a yeah. picture of bits. So
1: in France, the uh, the design was led by a man named Bartoldi, which sounds very Italian, especially when I say it like that. Uh, <laughs> but the engineering fell to a man named Gustave Eiffel, uh, a man who had made him a name for himself building bridges. Okay. The, the Eiffel Bridge, for example. Yes. Uh, in a few years he would build a temporary tower in the middle of Paris. All right. Yeah, which... They decided to keep up.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. it was
1: only meant to be up for a few years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, but... I can't come. I'll take that down. Actually, they some people made a fortune selling the Eiffel Tower to scrap oh. metal merchants. And oh. uh, pretending to be the government. It yeah. was a common con in, in France for a while.
0: And at the time, when the Eiffel Tower was built, it was the tallest building in the world. Yes. It, it, yes. it surpasses the Great Pyramid of Giza.
1: This is off the top of my head. I might be wrong. I think for this brief period of time, it's actually the Washington Monument because it's just oh, really? been finished. And then the Eiffel Tower beats
0: it. Yeah, that's that's my memory of it. Because it wasn't until Empire State was built in the 30s. Yeah. Like 32, was it? Then that was... Like... <laughs> no, is... no, the Chrysler Building. The Chrysler Building was built first, like 31. Right. Yeah. Something like this. And then the, the Empire State was 33. This is how we should do all our podcasts. Just us two half remembering facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Anyway, but, uh, yeah, I didn't know Eiffel was involved in the... Uh, no, I didn't know that. No, so there you go. That's very cool. Uh, the statue took years to build. It was made from an iron skeleton on the inside and an outer copper. shell that would... Yeah, a copper outer shell that would um, hang on the frame. Yeah. So, unlike most statues where it's, like, an exoskeleton, yeah, it has yeah. an interior skeleton. It'd need one being that big, wouldn't it? Because copper's quite a... Well, actually, malleable it, it can method. move slightly um, in, like, high winds. Yeah. So it doesn't crack, uh, which is quite... Quite cool. In 1884, it was completed and remained a full bronze-coloured statue in Paris for quite a while while right. they attempted to finish raising the funds for the plinth in the United States. So there was a period of time where you could go to Paris and you wouldn't see the Eiffel Tower, you would just see the Statue of Liberty. How surreal would that be? Well, going back in time from now, how surreal would yeah. that be? Especially as it was a fully bronze-coloured Statue of yeah. Liberty because it had just been built. And in fact, there's a the picture. Oh, wow! Oh, that's fantastic. That's really cool. If you can't get access to a picture, which is easy enough to Google, just imagine the Statue of Liberty, but in a different place. It's got some scaffolding around it.
0: That's really cool. Oh, that's amazing.
1: Eventually, the plinth was underway, and in 1885, the statue was dismantled, boxed up into pieces, and shipped over to New York, where it arrived much like an Ikea Colossus statue would. Yeah. I <laughs> really, imagine. really frustrating instructions. Yeah. Massive Allen keys. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely huge. <laughs> Took a whole team of workmen just to turn it. <laughs> So that's like a run-up. Yeah, from a catapult. Go, doing, gets it, <laughs> spins around a little bit. And the really chunky man that's drawn in the instructions was huge as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the site supervisor. He just clunk around. Spoke Swedish. That yeah, was good. Uh, it took several months to piece together, which is like common for any piece of IKEA furniture. <laughs> uh, but yeah. in October 1886, Cleveland arrived on site to preside over the official opening ceremony. I'd like to think they'd found a massive sheet and they'd put it on top so he was able to whip <laughs> the sheet off. I'm sure that happened. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So there you go. Not only can you imagine the Washington Monument now, you can also imagine the Statue of Liberty's there. It's starting to feel like America now. It's eh? starting to feel like America. It was generally agreed that this was a fine statue, showing how America had liberated themselves from the British and freed the slaves just a few years later. On the tablet, is it like, bring me your poor... Not on the tablet, it's uh, a, a poem on the, the plinth. Poem on uh, yes, the Yes. There were chains on Lady Liberty's ankles that have been shattered to show the freedom of the slaves. Oh. Yeah, uh, not everyone was impressed, though. In fact, hoping it'd be bigger. <laughs> it's not that. It's a uh, an African American newspaper wrote this shortly afterwards. Liberty enlightening the world. Indeed, the expression makes us sick. This government is a howling farce. It cannot, or rather does not, protect its citizens within its own borders. Shove the Bethaldi statue, torch and all, into the ocean until liberty of this country is such as to make it possible for an inoffensive and industrious coloured man to earn a respectable living for himself and family without being Ku Kluxed, perhaps murdered, his daughter and wife outraged and his property destroyed. The idea of liberty of this country enlightening the world World is ridiculous in the extreme. Fair point. It's a fair point, yeah. And also
0: highlights that the problems are still there. Oh yeah, the problems are still there. Hugely still
1: there. Mm. So the big statue to celebrate how wonderful we are now didn't go down well with many. Yeah. But Cleveland had no time for talk like that because the next election's already coming up and Cleveland decided that the tariffs were far more important an area to focus on than any of the civil strife that's going on. The Democrats easily decided to support Cleveland in the election. The Tammany Hall faction, if you remember, still weren't happy with him, but the Bourbons simply were too powerful. Hmm. Alan Thurman was named as his running mate. Thurman had the nickname of the Old Roman. Ooh, like it. Been a while since we've had a Roman reference. So high fives all round. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Cleveland seemed not to be too infused about this election, however. He wrote to a friend that he thought that his party would be more energetic if another man was nominated in his place, which is hardly fighting to (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He also claimed that he was too busy to campaign Meanwhile, the Republicans had nominated None other than the grandson of William Henry Harrison Benjamin Harrison
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, so we're back with the Harrisons Uh, The election was a slow one There were a couple of chants You ready for these chants? Oh yeah They might be the worst I've come across yet Really? Oh yeah The Democrats cried about Harrison His grandfather's hat It's too big for Ben And the witty retort came back the same old hat. It fits Ben just right.
0: That's tragic.
1: Well, yeah, I, I imagine everyone then just sort of looked down in embarrassment and shuffled away, unable yeah. to meet each other's eyes. Because yeah. that's the only thing you can do after those kind of shams. Yeah, and just pretend it. Like, what? Who said that? What? <laughs> it's, Who was that? It's really bad, isn't it? Never mind. <laughs> well, Cleveland did not campaign... His running mate did, however, the yeah. old Roman. Oh, he went on tour. Yeah, he did. Trouble is, he's uh, he's seventy-four. Oh, yeah, he got tired easily. No, oh. yeah, he collapsed twice <laughs> on on stage. Oh, <laughs> it's not the best look if your nominee is not campaigning and his running mate is literally collapsing on yeah. stage. Oh. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, but um yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not great. A rumour then appeared in the press that Cleveland had been beating his new wife in a drunken rage. This did not go down well with the public, as you can imagine. Now, we have no idea whatsoever how true these rumours are. Um, However, I will say that Frances herself issued a statement saying that this was, and I'll quote her, a foolish campaign story without a shadow of foundation.
0: I'm writing these of my own free will.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it would appear that there are no other indications of this happening throughout their married lives together. Perhaps it was just a malicious rumour. We just don't know. It's uh, one of those cases where if... Cleveland was someone else, I might Go, yeah, that's just clearly a rumor, but you there were the warning signs with Cleveland out there, yeah. so not hmm. violent, though, so far, just more sort of, yeah, so cruel. maybe, maybe not mm. anyway. Just know it was a rumor that was going around, and I imagine people reacted very much in the same way that we're reacting now. Of a really, mm. but maybe, yeah, mm. so doesn't go down well as ever. New York was a key swing state, the current New York governor was a Democrat, but a Tammany Hall Democrat, and the state did not go out out of their way to support their own president. So all of this adding up, you can probably imagine what the result's going to be. They were, once again, very close. We've had a few close elections. In 11 million votes, Cleveland managed to get 100,000 more. He wins the popular vote. Yay. But Harrison had taken New York and Indiana. Ah. So Harrison got 233 electoral college votes and Cleveland got 168. Ah. He had lost.
0: Oh. Yeah, even though most of the people in the country voted for me. Yeah, it's a weird system. That it's man. it's because
1: it's a Odd. broken broken system. Right, a broken right. system that broke about two hundred years ago. Yeah. Almost immediately it broke. Yeah, never mind. Eh. Um, of course. Ah <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> it's only democracy. <laughs> uh, according to one story, uh, Francis, whilst leaving the White House, ordered that the staff look after the furniture because they would be back. That so was, was written after the that second. Probably happened afterwards. Anyway, the couple moved to New York City. They took in the shows there Cleveland played a lot of cribbage apparently oh yeah now I could have looked at what cribbage is but I decided I'm just going to pretend in my head what cribbage is and that's probably more interesting than the real thing card game I think it involves babies. cards but I, I have a feeling it's more than just cards I think dice or dominoes or something maybe it's dice dominoes and cards oh, combined nice. uh, but you've got to do it whilst on a tightrope across the room yeah Unicycle, unicycle, tightrope. You got to flick the cards
0: like magicians do to knock the dominoes over. Yes, and they hit a die it's, that rolls. It's a whole and lands on a number. Goldberg machine kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and the card indicates, or the card you throw doubles the value of the the domino. Yeah, on the north side that lands, and that then indicates you multiply the result of the die that gets
1: that knocked pickled, herring, baseball-loving fan of ours is uh, also probably a huge Cribbage fan. It's part of the World
0: Cribbage Society. Even more. (laughs) I
1: I just thought my life would have a bit more mystery in it if I never find out what Cribbage is. So I'm not going to.
0: Yeah, that's that's nice. Nice to have that. Yeah,
1: because it's probably
0: really boring, and... In my head now it could be really exciting. Do you ever think like that like you'll be your last your last day, you're in hospital and you hear the beeping <laughs> and you slid that line wondering, what is cribbage? Pick up your phone, quick Google. Oh, put your phone down.
1: Yeah, that's what I'll do. Beep. Last moments. That will be my last moments. Yeah. Anyway, Cleveland, however, he found out what it was. He loved it. Uh, Through connections he had made over the last four years, he was able to make money doing some quiet work for a prestigious law firm. In the background, he didn't, like, put his name on the the partnership or anything. Mm. Uh, This law firm looked after the interests of none other than J.P. Morgan. And the two men soon met and became quite friendly with each other. Cleveland then settled into a life familiar to us, um, because it was quite similar to that of Chester Arthur's. He's now in New York, Cigars and brandy, hobnobbing with the robber barons. Just imagine slightly different rooms because this is the Democrats, not the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, but Less fancy. He'd still be going to the same fancy places, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he purchased a cottage in Cape Cod in Massachusetts to get away from it a bit where the Clevelands could retreat, just have a nice time. Nice. It was around this time that Francis gave birth to the first of their five children. Uh, at the age of 54, Cleveland wrote to a friend to say that he found he had entered the real world for the first time. Now, but he was a father. No, he hasn't. <laughs> He's got a maid. He probably barely saw the child. <laughs> the girl was named Ruth. Uh, Ruth, really sadly, only lives for 13 years. However, she lives on in the public memory because 17 years after her death... The Curtis Candy Company decided to name a chocolate bar after her called Baby Ruth. Uh, Uh, Apparently, uh, that's still a popular candy bar today. Baby Ruth. As far as I could tell, Baby Ruth seems to be a bit like a Snickers bar. It's like chocolatey and nuggety and uh, peanutty. So they're around. Yeah, now the fact that this chocolate bar was named after a child who had died 17 years earlier to a president that had been out of office for quite some time just makes no sense and was clearly a lie by the candy company, because the famous baseball player, Babe Ruth, Ruth, was around at this time. And the company clearly had just trawled the history books looking for a similar name. And then when they released it, went, oh, no, no, that's uh, Cleveland's uh, daughter. Mm. Yeah, that's who we named our chocolate bar after. But your chocolate bar has a baseball on the front. (laughs) One of the fancy ones made in the whole (laughs) England. So there you go. That's a a little chocolate bar tangent for you. Um, Anyway, meanwhile, Harrison was getting on with running the country. Now, I don't want to get into what he did too much because it will spoil his episode. Uh, But we do need to cover a couple of things so it makes sense when Cleveland gets back into office. The tariffs had been raised to the highest levels in United States history. Republicans go tariff happy. The rural communities in the north that were traditionally Republican were not happy with this at all. So they start to organize into large alliances. These are farmer alliances. The Southern Alliance, the Coloured Farmers Alliance, and the Northwestern Alliance all developed. You can probably imagine where they are in the country. I guess, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now there was an attempt to merge all of these alliances together to make a really powerful alliance, but you can probably guess the problem here. The Southern Alliance insisted on separate lodges for whites and blacks, which the Coloured Farmers Alliance and the Northwestern Alliance both just refused. I went no, that's just yeah. racist. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <I'm> like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the point. Um, yeah, the uh, the alliance of alliances never happened, unfortunately. Uh, but they did still have the same message. The farming industry was falling apart. The cost to grow crops and then transport them, while paying for the mortgage to the bank, was more than you could get for selling your crops. Now it was bad enough before the tariff, but it was now becoming unsustainable. Yeah. They started advocating for more paper money in circulation. The more money, the easier it would be to pay for goods and mortgages. Of course. Because of inflation. The more money, the less the money is worth. So the debts that the farmers have will not be worth as much. They actively want the inflation so their debts
0: are lowered. What to... is it? I get the point. It'll be easier to pay for things with more inflation because you've got more cash going around so it's to, easy to break it down
1: yeah and that's the problem the farms have at the moment they just don't have yeah. the ability to move money around
0: yeah it's like saying the, the set value of this is 50,000 yeah and you've only got yeah, I was trying to make a point then. I know what I mean. But... <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it takes a while getting your head around this. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does make sense You've what they're arguing for. Well, it makes sense what they're <laughs> arguing for to a point. And also only if you believe in what they believe in. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this isn't just a they don't understand economics, so print more money. It's not that simplistic. Yeah. Anyway, the way to do this, they argued, was not to print more money, but instead to base the dollar on not just gold, but silver also. Have a two metal system. The more precious metal in the country, the
0: more paper money available. Be like, they got that in uh, Finland, a double metal system. They've got it's black got... metal and death metal. You can have a ranking point for that.
1: Yes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely from, I thought you were going somewhere with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I never do. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Now, this argument was going nowhere. I mean, silver hadn't been used as a currency since 1873. Sort of. I'm simplifying here. It's more complicated. However, recently, some silver had been discovered. And there were now quite a few rich robber baron silver mine owners who suddenly started pushing to have contracts with the government to make silver coins. Right. So suddenly, the farmers found themselves in alliance with rich silver mine owners. That's always good to have on your side. Mm -hmm. In 1890, the Sherman Silver Purchase Act was created. The government would now purchase a certain amount of silver every single year from the silver mines and paper money would now be based on gold and silver. However, this did not do enough to mollify the farmers because although this was a step in the direction they wanted, the economy is really struggling. Mm. Cleveland starts to travel around the country and just happened to mention to any crowds that happened to be gathered that all of their problems were due to the high tariffs and the silver-backed money. And if, I don't know a Democrat was back in charge, all your problems would disappear. It soon became clear to all in the party that Cleveland wants to run again. Now some opposed him in the party, as ever, the Tammany Hall faction, uh, but also now those who really liked the silver-backed money. So you start seeing the Democrats splitting into silver men and gold men. Oh, like a weird game of chess. Yeah. <laughs> However, just know that at the moment these silver men are in the minority and Cleveland was nominated on the first ballot. He's right. going to run for president again. Okay. In a compromise to the silver men, a man named Stevenson was chosen as vice president. So He likes okay. silver. But we'll put a silver man in in vice president. Compromise. We've seen it lots of times before. We've never seen that go wrong before. No. No. The election was a bit different than uh, any recent ones, however. For a few reasons, I'm not going to go into this episode, but I will next episode. But I'll go into a little bit of detail. The Republicans had somewhat reluctantly chosen Harrison once more. Although many in his party feared that he would lose. To complicate matters, the Farmers' Alliances had created a new party known as the People's Party or the Populist Party. This was a genuine left-wing party. First one we've seen. They wanted to do these crazy things like take the railroads off the corrupt businesses and give them to the government to run in the hope that the government would be less corrupt. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, you can see why. Get them out of the hands of the the corrupt businesses. That makes sense. Uh, They wanted shorter working weeks. They wanted direct election of senators Because that's not a thing at the moment. Uh, They wanted an income tax that took into account how much was earned. Oh, yeah, Uh, just things that we take for granted today, uh, basically. So anyway, this election, the vote was split three ways. Although to be fair, the People's Party only got ten percent of the vote overall, so it wasn't uh, an even three-way split. But ten percent is enough. It's enough to sway the election one way or the other. Yeah, you're not going to win, but you can make a difference. Uh, with the People's Party vote largely being taken away from Republicans, the Democrats were able to take the victory with relative ease. Hmm. Cleveland got 277 to the Republicans, 145. Oh, wow. The People's Party. Twenty-two. Yeah. So there you go. He's back in the White House. Yeah. Not only that, uh, the Democrats now have control of the House and the Senate also. Oh, so just pass whatever we want. Oh, yeah. Cleveland's second inauguration was a cold affair. A blizzard had just hit the Capitol. Everyone was a bit freezing, as you can imagine. Ice formed in Cleveland's moustache as he uh, recited another speech from memory. Good God, it's cold. <laughs> yes. And that was it. Yeah, He called for unity And he talked about how much fairness was needed in society But that fairness must be achieved in a fair way Right Yeah, in other words, obviously we need to be fairer But we're not actually going to do anything about it And we must treat the Native Americans better Oh yes, definitely The Clevelands did not immediately move into the White House A a scarlet fever scare in the building Had persuaded to keep Little Roof out for a while Um, However, once they did move in they were surprised to see these newfangled electric lighting that had been installed. Now, this wasn't new to them. They weren't, like, screaming.
0: (laughs) Witchcraft!
1: (laughs) No, I mean, they'd been living in New York for a while. New York had plenty of electric lighting by this point, but... We're doing an Edison thing now. Uh, No, no, we're not going there, sorry. Uh, But, yeah, no, he he had his powerhouse and everything. All that is going on. But, yeah, it was nice to have some electric lighting in the White House. Yeah. However, all was it's a weird th- humming. <laughs> mm. That was just people nervous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, all was not well. As the president took back the reins of government, the economy utterly collapsed. It's another panic. A fifth of all the factory workers in the country lost their jobs. An already simmering country felt the heat just go up that little bit more. Mm. The Democrats, including the President, pointed at this as proof that the Republicans' obsession with high tariffs was bad for the economy. See, they ruined the economy in just one term, was their argument. Easy to say that, isn't it? Well, one reason for the economy struggling, they argued, was that people, or rather businesses who could afford to do so, were selling silver to obtain the equivalent in paper money, and then using that paper money to buy the equivalent in gold. Buying gold gold of lesser value. Well, just... Basically exchanging silver for gold Yeah Is what they're doing And then hoarding the gold Ah Because in reality To raise the prices Yeah well in reality No one believes that silver's as good as gold So you're basing both of them It's
0: not as shiny It's
1: like even if you say The gold's worth more than the silver It's like still People want the gold So they hoard the gold Yeah of course. Cleveland was certain that the only way to fix this and make sure that the gold's not hoarded is to go back to follow gold standard. The Silver Purchase Act was overturned within its first year. Yeah, so he's got rid of the Electrum standard. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, it's a uh, bi-something, by metallic it's not bimetallic, it does have a name. Uh, that I Electrum. It's Electrum, it's the Electrum standard yeah standard that's exactly what it's Hallow-y. called yeah <laughs> yeah
0: that's what they think the the great pyramid was capped in top of the pyramid was electrum nice so it shone and glowed in the sunlight oh. egyptian desert that's why it's not there
1: anymore yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> very much so yes.
1: there was another problem though uh, the treasury was in a bad way because the government was running out of gold because everyone was hoarding the bloody stuff. <laughs> yeah. Are those gold trousers? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were walking funny. Well, Cleveland set up a meeting with none other than his new good friend, J.P. Morgan. Hmm. It was agreed that a banking syndicate led by J.P. Morgan would buy government bonds in exchange for hard gold. Half of which would come from overseas. Business ties they'd got. So this would get the government more gold from outside the country as well as from in. To relieve the... Uh really pressure, yeah. yeah. And then the banks would have a very favourable IOU from the government. Okay. A very favourable IOU. IOU. Yeah. Oh, yes. But this did not go down well with the public or Congress. J.B. Morgan refused to publicly admit how much he was going to profit from all of this, which made everyone go, oh, it must be really bad then. Three, three quadrillion. Yeah. And everyone just went, oh, so that's Cleveland fully in bed with Wall Street then, is it? Ah. Uh. Yeah. His time in New York seems to have changed. Oh dear. At least in people's eyes. Uh, Cleveland was then somewhat distracted from his official duties when he discovered a lesion in the roof of his mouth. A lesion, not a legion. Ah. Yeah. Stop marching in there. (laughs) Uh, well, he assumed it was nothing more than a dental problem, common at the time, so he chose to ignore it, like many people do. Yeah. Uh, however, after a month, it had grown so much that a doctor was called, and he was quickly diagnosed with cancer. Ah. The, in fact, i quote the doctor here. Crap. <laughs> it's a bad-looking tenant, and I would have it evicted immediately.
0: Oh, that's a great...
1: I would love a doctor that. <laughs> yes. Let's say his name was Dr. Doctor as well. Oh, yeah. It's a trend by this point. However, with the country in the middle of an economic crisis and violence starting to spark up, it was decided that the public really didn't need to know about the President's illness. Uh, A particular concern was that the Vice President was a silver man. If Grover died, then all his push to get the gold standard would come to nothing. Wall Street already shaken, could genuinely collapse if they even thought that the vice president was going to become the president.
0: Mm.
1: So on the morning of June the 30th, 1893, the president and six of the country's best surgeons met on board a yacht belonging to a friend of Cleveland. A yacht? A yacht.
0: Not the most stable of platforms. But secret. Yes.
1: Because, as far as the public were concerned, the president's going on a fishing trip, he's going to go up to his residence in Cape Cod, He's, he's just going to... Have a bit of a holiday. That's fine. Once on board, the president sat smoking cigars, waiting for the boat to sail. <laughs> well, they didn't know,
0: did they? They didn't know.
1: <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, there, there is a theory that it was uh, his chewing tobacco um, that mm-hmm. actually caused this, uh, but it's obviously not known. Yeah. Yeah, it was all very secretive. Apparently, the, the six doctors, once they got onto the yacht, had to stay below... Decks, because um, there was a hospital <laughs> nearby, and they might be recognised by the hospital staff. For
0: God's sake, take your white coats off, man! <laughs> yes. Those big and your name badges, those, those big, big shiny yeah. things that <laughs> yes. they
1: s- strap to their heads for some reason. What I'm guessing it's they? to reflect light, light yeah. so they can see it. I'm guessing Theory that must operations. be it. Yeah. yeah, never really thought about it though, to be honest. No, but they definitely got those on. <laughs> um, they set sail once far from the harbour. The operation area was set up because that's right—they're going to do it on the yacht. They're not sailing somewhere. Now, you're a doctor. You're on a yacht. Yep. Where do you do the operation? Bearing in mind, it needs to be as stable as possible. The bottom of the boat. The middle at the bottom of the boat would be the least moving... Good. And what is in the middle, attached to the bottom of the boat? The anchor? On the anchor, the mast. That's the most stable bit, where the mast hits the boat. I guess, yeah, because at the bottom it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, nice and stable. It was realised the President didn't really need to be lying down for this operation. Oh, no. So it was decided the most stable they could get him was to tie a chair to the mast and then strap the President in. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) So would they then have to, like... Rope his head back. Yeah, keep his mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as we've seen in Garfield's episode, medicine was undergoing a revolution at this point. Mm. Uh, we're now seeing the other side. Things are getting better. That's true. Do they clean yeah. their tools? The instruments were all boiled clean. Wow! It nobody seawater. <laughs> nobody just got their finger and stuck it in various holes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's great.
1: Oh, yeah, an improvement. <laughs> the doctors wore clean, crisp clothes. Nice, wow. nice, and uh, prepared they were. A light bulb charged with a battery, was held nearby for wow. extra light. All very high-tech. Laughing gas and ether were used to make sure the president did not feel anything. And for the next hour and a half, the surgeons, whilst bobbing up and down in the sea, <laughs> stretched out the president's cheek using uh, some kind of
0: tool and started to operate via the mouth. God, I they do it just like a, like a big stick yeah. into his <laughs> cheek. Against the other side of the boat, like <laughs> pressing Just in. Just Stay
1: still. <laughs> yeah. A bit like matchsticks in the eyes, but for yeah. the mouth, that kind yeah. of thing. Obviously, they wanted to keep this a secret. Now, the easiest way to get this would have been to go through the face. Because it's in the mouth, but it's up into, like, his jaw, this tumour is. Side, but they yeah. don't want to go through the face, so they go through the mouth instead. Oh, that's awkward. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go on. The tumour, which was sizable, five teeth, his upper left palate, and a good portion of his upper left jaw were all removed. Oh, This was serious surgery. It was all done in an hour and a half whilst bobbing up and down in the sea. And apparently it was completely successful. Wow. This Even was, now. This be... was good surgery. This is the complete opposite end of the scale to Garfield. You get the feeling that Garfield, whilst this was happening, was just rotating in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> what the? And every
0: time he swore his face was hitting the soil, <laughs> yes. we turn around again. What the? That mother, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. Lots of confused people there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a family bringing flowers to a recently deceased grandparent. Oh, what the hell? He reached
1: Cape Cod. Uh, he had his fishing holiday. Well, obviously not. He was recuperating, resting. Well, you could argue him. the surgeons did. Well, yeah. The surgery healed remarkably well, like really quickly. This was a good. He have at, it must have been, but his face was completely misshapen. Yeah. Yeah. Still, three weeks pass, back on the yacht to go home, and that's when they fit in with an artificial jaw. Oh yeah. Like surely it must be like a like false teeth style, like something you just yeah tea. yeah yeah something that goes in. It's not yeah, like just a, a bad yeah depth. Yeah. Um, yeah. His face regained its prior shape apparently, and he was able to speak properly once more. Within four weeks of this quite intensive surgery, he was able to appear in public with no signs whatsoever that anything had happened. That is phenomenal. Yeah. It was literally decades later that this became public. That is amazing. Yeah. Impressive. Wow, it really is. Yeah. Puck <laughs> His wasn't even life-threatening. No. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Meanwhile in the country, however, things were not going quite as well. Uh, Ragtag armies of farmers were starting to gather and talk about storming the capital. Oh. Uh, Yeah. Uh, One such army did so, but it's a bit of a sad tale. Uh, It started well. They all died, didn't they? Not quite. There were thousands of them. Oh, wow. They were angry pitchforks and torches kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but America's a big place, and let's march on the capital sounds good. It probably works well when you're in England, and London's not that far away. Wherever you, you can are. walk there within a, within a few days. Yeah, exactly. Most places. Washington's quite far away. It's at least a thousand miles from Texas, surely. <laughs> uh, well, their leader, a man named Coxey, however, was determined and carried on. But by the time they reached the capital, it was a much smaller crowd. <laughs> Coxey was then arrested immediately for walking on the grass outside of the (laughs) capital. Fantastic. He just ignored the signs, please keep off the grass. The signs are there for a reason. Yeah. Penalty, (laughs) instant arresting. He spent 20 days in jail, and
0: by that time, his army had kind of gone home. I thought he went sad. I thought he went, like, genuinely heartbreaking. It's just, no, it's just pathetic. (laughs) Really pathetic. (laughs)
1: It started like real revolution. Thousands of farmers storming the capital. It ended up with being arrested for walking on the grass. Yeah, being incarcerated for loitering, essentially. Yeah. However, there were definitely more serious things going on as well. It's just that one amused me, so I thought I'd start with that one. In Chicago, once more, another strike had just broken out, this time against the Pullman Company. George Pullman was a typical robber-baron type. He made a fortune out of uh, his sleeper cars that he'd uh, created... for the railways so people could sleep more comfortably on trains. Mm. Uh, Most trains in the country had at least one Pullman carriage on it. So, uh, yeah, fortune. Pullman figured that the best way for a company to operate efficiently would be to have the workers live near the factories. Makes sense. Cadbury style. Yeah. So he built a village for his workers. How nice. Cadbury and roundtree style. Uh, if you're not sure what we're talking about, Cadbury's is a, a company that makes a lot of the chocolate in this country. They also built a worker village for their workers. Mm. This worker village uh, in America, though, this Pullman one, uh, was very typical of the kind of worker villages that sprung up in the world around mm. this time, because this is the sort of Cadbury's factory kind of time. Uh, they were just dens of economic oppression. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Workers living there, uh, they were forced to live there, otherwise they lost their job. And if you live there, you had to buy your food and water from the company at prices set by the company. This is uh, quite a lot more expensive than usual. This was bad enough, but then in 1894 Paulman cut the workers' wages by 25%, but did not adjust the price of food or water. He sounds like an arse. (laughs) He sounds like a factory owner. <laughs> this is not untypical. This is why the country's so angry. Uh, some protested. Uh, they were fired immediately. And uh, if you're fired from a job, you got a reputation. You found it hard to get another job. Yeah. There was no just, well, just quit your job and find another job. There were no other jobs. Uh, the economy's bad. So if you were fired, you were in serious trouble, starving to death. Anyway, the Pullman employees then appealed to the American Railway Union for help. They highlighted the awful conditions that they were forced to live in and then finish the letter that they sent with this, our quote. And thus the merry war, the dance of skeletons bathed in human tears goes on and will go on, brothers, forever, unless you, the American Railway Union, stop it, end it, crush it. They do like their language, these strikers. I really do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good, good rhetoric as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. good. Uh, the American Railway Union decided, yes, they were going to strike, and soon it was put out that... Pullman carriages would not be worked upon. If a train had a Pullman carriage, people would not work on it. Now, like I said, that's most trains. Soon enough, the whole country came to a standstill. As we have seen, a way for employers to break strikes was just to ship in new labourers for the short term. This often ended in violent struggles as the strikers attempted to stop the picket line from being broken. Yeah. The violence escalated. The railroad companies asked Cleveland for military aid. Cleveland was unsure to begin with. After all, he did not send aid to individuals and states. A state issue. Should he really send aid for the railway companies? Mm-hmm. Yes, he decided. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> should. Uh, yeah, he should. Uh, the rail companies, uh, they delivered the mail, and that made it federal. And he knew a lot of... But that's coincidence. Yeah, coincidence. Yeah. Pure coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he is said to have said, I'll quote here, if it takes every dollar in the Treasury and every soldier in the United States to deliver a postal card in Chicago, that postal card should be delivered. Meanwhile, things were just getting worse in Chicago. A crowd of 500 had gathered, demanding that the strikers be listened to. A general protest. Uh, The police and the troops sent by Cleveland advanced on this crowd and attempted to persuade them to disperse using barbed-wired clubs and bayonets. This is now turned into WWE. (laughs) The crowd were dispersed ruthlessly. Oh. Onlookers looked on in horror and then joined in when they saw the crowd were just being attacked. In fact, i quote here, "...the ground over which the fight had occurred was like a battlefield. The men shot by the troops and police lay around like logs." So again, we've got another massacre going on. Several of these are going on. And uh, they're all arguably bigger, if not as big, as the Boston massacre that we talked about at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Things are not going well. No. Uh, 13 people were killed in this one. Many more seriously injured. And as you can imagine, the strike was crushed. By the end of the strike, over 30 people had been killed. Now legally, the government aided the railroads to place an injunction on the union. Yeah. Because the strike continued the leader of the union was arrested after being demonised in the press for being a dictator. Obviously, it's very easy to demonise someone in the press when you own the press. Well, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen now, they thank goodness. Oh, no, no, not at all. Anyway, the working and living conditions for those who working in the Pullman Company did not improve whatsoever. They were forced to bury the dead and carry on. So there you go. That's the end of that tangent. Oh. pleasant times. A couple of other events do happen during Cleveland's presidency but for time reasons we do need to cut them short. Uh, just know there was a diplomatic row with Britain at one point over mm-hmm. Venezuela and land and the US firmly announced that the Monroe Doctrine was still a thing, definitely, and if anyone from Europe comes around messing around in the Americas they'd have to face the United States. Uh, Pretty a bit more confident though, aren't they? Oh yes uh, they were, they flexed a bit of muscle and um, they rightly pointed out just as before it's like We're a long way away from you You're going to struggle to come over here And keep yourselves provided for yeah. And we're stronger than we've ever been before so, uh, Which is true Yeah. So war drums start to beat uh, People start really going a bit gung-ho For the idea of another war with Britain uh, But then Certain big business owners Realise that actually war Can be profitable For certain companies yeah. But there are a lot of companies that figured it wouldn't help them Certain mm. pressure was put in certain places And all of a sudden, the newspapers were a lot less (laughs) pro-war.
0: This is the British tribute edition.
1: (laughs) Everything we love about the Queen. Uh, also, some stuff's going on with Hawaii, but that links to Harrison, so I'm not going to go into it here. We'll save right. that for his uh, episode. But just know that. I don't even found Hawaii. It's such a small <laughs> place in the middle of the ocean. About... We'll go into it more next time, don't that worry. Is we will. Just know that Cleveland reversed some decisions that Harrison made that made annexing the island possible. Okay. So Harrison wanted Hawaii, Cleveland saying, we don't need Hawaii. Or at least not in this way I'll go into details next in episode okay. and then his term was coming to an end yeah. by this time the internal politics of the democrats had shifted the people's party had collapsed completely it was mm. a short-lived thing and most of their supporters had headed to the democrats their faction was now the dominant one, and they were calling for silver currency, and they labelled their own president as a gold-obsessed Wall Street puppet. It's not too far from the truth. No, it's not. During the convention, their leader, Brian, <laughs> that's his surname, William bryan spelt with a Y, but it sounds amusing, uh, delivered a passionate speech. Ending with our quote here. You shall not press down upon the brow of labour, this crown of thorns. You shall not crucify mankind upon this cross of gold. One of those sentences that sounds really good, and then you look at it a bit more and go... "Hmm?" What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um,
0: (laughs) Why use one word when you can use seven?
1: Yeah. Uh, Brian swept away the competition and took the nomination. So we could, we could have had... President President Prime. wow. But unfortunately, we don't. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, But, I mean, we're starting here, the very, very start of recognising the modern Democrat Party.
0: Okay. It
1: fluctuates and changes, but we are now starting to see from the Democrats, not states' rights, planter, owner rights. We're starting to see the... More worker rights going into the left wing kind of. We're starting to see that shift. You say left wing. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I say, it left fluctuates from and America. changes.
0: But <laughs> yeah. this is
1: the first time we're going to recognise anything okay. linked to the modern Democrat party. And we're very
0: now close to 1900 as well. So oh yes, we are. I'm, I'm going to start knowing
1: things. Wow. So. <laughs> the Republicans chose the man who had pushed for the higher tariffs during the Harrison presidency. Uh, the t- tariffs were known as the McKinley tariffs because the man was named McKinley. McKinley. (laughs) McKinley. McKinley, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But whoever won out of them, it's McKinley. Uh, um, I've heard of President McKinley. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland was out. And that hadn't been certain, by the way. Some had supported him for a third term, but it was not to be. So he retired once more. This time, the Clevelands moved to New Jersey. Grover and Francis had more children. For a while, he was a trustee at Princeton. He was still vocal on some matters. For example, as the women's suffrage movement started up, he made it very clear. So, uh, <laughs> what, what are you expecting? <laughs> women should not be able to vote. i quote, sensible and responsible women do not want to vote. There we go. The relative positions to be assumed by man and woman in the working out of our civilization were assigned long ago by a higher intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, in 1907, that's right, <gasps> 1907. Oh my
0: goodness. Be- Seven years away from World War One.
1: Yeah. He became ill. Insane. It is insane. We're so close. Yeah. Uh, his health had not been good for some time. Uh, he'd slept with a stomach pump next to his bed, apparently. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not just feeling a bit unwell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. That's a... Yeah,
1: anyway. That's, I need to remove stuff. <laughs> <laughs> In 1908, he suffered a heart attack and died. His last words were said to have been, I have tried so hard to do what is right. So, uh, we now get to judge to see if he really did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so, rapid rise through the government. Some might say obscenely so. <laughs> I mean, he was sheriff, mayor, governor, and then president within just a couple of years.
0: It's almost like he paid for it or something. <laughs>
1: I don't think there's any evidence of that, (laughs) but I think there is a certain case to be said that it's a perfect example of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. He stood for certain things, such as the anti-corruption, which really meant that he stood out in certain places and he just got bloody lucky. And he worked really hard as well. And a combination of those two things, yeah, he just found himself being the president incredibly quickly. While in the posts, like I say, he had no truck with corruption. There wasn't a whiff of corruption about him, really. No. Maybe a little bit towards the end. Uh, But, I mean, we're we're way off Chester Arthur. Yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, He often personally made sure that things were on the level. Saying this, however, he didn't really do too much to end the spoils system. I mean, he fired literally thousands of people just so he could give Democrats supporting people, jobs. Now, this is nothing new. This has been going on since America started. But things were supposed to be different now. Things were supposed to be changing. And they're not quite there yet.
0: Yeah. So is it? I, I, I guess you, you may have justified that by saying, yeah, but I'm anti-corruption.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's maybe it's a bit harsh to say, well, why didn't you sort this out? Why weren't you the first one mm. to sort it
0: out? Because it needs to be done. But... He, he did it in a sort of a, you know, thing, things take time. There's a process yeah. towards any, any big movement. You can't do it in one because that just causes problems. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, yeah, you could say that. Um, he is known as the veto president, or at least he was at the time. Uh, he vetoed anything that he felt was not federal government's business.
0: Mm. And at the beginning, you could argue, actually, he had a point.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he fully... Yeah. I mean, I agree with that, but it was a Fair point. He fully believes in small government. I don't personally believe necessarily in the small government, certainly not the style of small government that Cleveland was going for. Doesn't mean that it's inherently wrong. And he did believe it and thought it was right, so maybe we shouldn't criticise him too much, because at least he followed his beliefs in the idea of small government. And lots of people did as well, so it's not... Yeah, that said, a bit harsh on the Texans. Yeah. (laughs) Come come on. The out here. Yeah. We're um, dying. uh, There's an argument to be said that he stabilised the economy he reduced the government's purchase of silver and he acquired more gold uh, the economy was in an awful way it completely crashed and he did help it to mend mm. it's not great that the likes of jp morgan made a huge
0: amount of money whilst doing it but you could argue it's a means to an end because it overall did support the country even if he had to make a sacrifice. Yeah, in that sense. it just doesn't look good. But it doesn't look yeah. good, but you could argue that uh, we didn't go into the
1: whole Hawaii thing. Uh, but just know that many were looking to simply take over the island. Cleveland stated it was not the business of the United States to do it. So I mean that's quite positive. So it's anti-invasion, event, yeah. More anti-Chinese laws were passed, fully supported by Cleveland. Uh, for example, if a Chinese person left the country, they were not allowed back in. Even if they like went on holiday. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So that's about it, really. I mean, he's... He's not... Bad. he's no, not bad, but there's, I don't, there's, there's a bitter taste, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was a bad president. He certainly isn't a wonderful one, though. I mean, nothing Moral amazing me, happens. No. Oh, that's that's the next round, don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm very eager. I think a uh, five or a six is... I think middle of adequate. the road. I don't think yeah. it's anything amazing. I don't think it's awful. Uh, put me down for a five.
0: Matching me. So That's a total of ten. Disgrazed
1: it. Well, let's go through some things. Let's start with the big one, the most uncomfortable and depressing and horrible one, Maria Halpin. Mm. Now, if we believe the worst-case scenario, that Grover Cleveland raped a woman, got her pregnant, took her son off her, placed him in an orphanage, and then tried to get her committed to an insane asylum... It sounds awful, really, really bad. Yep. Or we could take the best case scenario, <laughs> which showing Cleveland in the best possible light, in which case it was Folsom's child, and the rape did not happen, but all the rest still did. In which case, it's still awful, yeah. uh, just maybe not quite as not hideously awful. Awful. Yeah. So it, it's a choice between really bad or really, really, really bad. That's something we don't know. We don't know. There is no way of knowing. So but what that... I'm going to say is that whatever it is, it's it... awful. Yes. So I think we can just chalk it up as a really bad thing that happened. Yeah, so yeah instead can... of really, really, really bad and really bad, just average it to really, really bad. Yeah, Let's let's oh, yeah. say that. Then we've got the fact that he marries the child that he watched grow up. Which, as we've said, is just icky. I mean, there's there's nothing illegal. There's, I mean, you can happily argue there's nothing morally wrong. It's two adult consenting people in a relationship where they appear to love each other. But at the same
0: time, she called him Uncle Cleve. Mm. I mean, yeah. we are viewing it from modern eyes. We are. Because I imagine this thing happened probably more... Mm, yeah. ...back then. But it's still weird. And let's face it, it still happens now. If you get a rich
1: enough old man, you get oh,
0: yeah.
1: young women attached to them quite often. But yeah, um, so you've got that. There is the rumour that he drunkenly beat Francis. But like I say, this one has no supporting evidence whatsoever, unlike the others. It's uh,
0: just... Yeah, yeah it's it's very hard to make a judgement of that. But we, you could... Like, playing devil's advocate there, you could also say he was very good at hiding information, like his operation. Yes. He knew how to do that. There is certainly that, isn't there? He was
1: an obvious sexist and racist. Although he had little opportunity for it to show officially, obviously, the whole Chinese thing, obviously very officially racist. And the suffrage thing. Yeah, but he wasn't in an official capacity there. Uh, That was his personal opinion. Um, That's disgrace. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. my point being that he doesn't show through too much right. in history because in a, an official capacity it doesn't shine through. But when you're looking into yeah. little details, he just seems like a bit of a horrible person. Yeah. Okay, in his defence, however, because I've just been hammering on at him here, he worked with blind kids for a year.
0: <laughs> he did. But well, to be fair, though, he was horrified at the situation. Yeah, he was. And he didn't revel in that. He didn't enjoy it. He thought, this is really bad for those people. Yeah. So, yes. There you go. Yeah, that's it. That's all I've got. Oh, he paid the old guy back
1: at the beginning. Remember, he's he's they, they paid for his tuition. He did pay someone back who had loaned him money. He did also pay for someone else to go to war for him. <laughs> Cancel that <laughs> out straight away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, um... I'd argue that's
0: worse. I think that actually, yeah, minus it even more.
1: I mean, again, it was a legal thing to do. Nothing illegal. Mm-hmm. And also... It's like, you can understand why people don't want to go to war, so I can understand
0: that. And I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest, I would probably do that if I was in you that position. You would send me, I know you would. But... I would send my own child instead of me. If... But then he also became
1: the president and... Uh, <laughs> I just realised what he said. <laughs> uh, he also then became president and then stopped... Soldiers from getting a pension. I mean, they, that just. But
0: I think I got the reason why for that. I don't think it was hypocritical. Yeah, you, you can also understand why people were so angry about that. Yeah. It, I, d- I don't think the reasons for that were bad. I think he had a good reason for doing that. But like you said, yeah. that's not. it wasn't a popular thing. No. Because there were also good reasons to be angry about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts? That's definitely minus. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's my oh main my thought. Thought. <laughs> Where are we going? Um, Far minus. I'm I'm going high. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely True. going high.
0: Let's see, let's see the slave thing though. That
1: the slave thing, but remember in context. Um, only. Yeah. Owning That's... slaves when you're in a society with slaves, being born into a slave economy means That's you're going to true. own slaves. If there are no slaves around, then that can't happen. Uh, anyone born in the South to rich parents would automatically own slaves. But, it's yeah. about what they did in that situation. Okay, So we tended to score a base level, some points on slavery uh, for Presidents that owned slaves, but those presidents who then went on to try and get rid of slavery, mm. we didn't punish too harshly. Those that tried to push slavery, okay. even though they didn't own slaves, were getting in about the minus sevens. It was more about their actions afterwards. A fair point. Uh, minus eight. Minus eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel I'd persuaded you about halfway through speaking. That. Yeah, you could have stopped about yeah. a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it just feels horrible putting numbers to some of these things because it's just it's just nasty horrible it's so hard stuff. To- Yeah, Yeah, so I'm not going to dwell on it too much I'm just going to go for a gut feeling I'm going to join your 8, minus 16 When we started, the whole idea of Disgrace Gate was, uh, I I had Watergate in my head I had, like, scandals There's scandals and then there's, like, scandals Yeah (laughs) Yeah. Right, next round I think this is a bigger round for him, actually Hmm. Okay He was born to a relatively poor family Not destitute, but relatively poor He worked the canals for a while to make some extra money he worked as a clerk, if you remember. Really wanted to get educated, but his father died. So to make money, he went to go and work for a year in the blind
0: asylum. See, this would be one or two episodes where he builds wants to be a, like quite a nice guy. Yeah, and then he goes to Buffalo. There you go. That's that's one episode in the
1: own. This is the debauchery episode. Yeah. Um, oh, we've were contacted uh, by a listener who uh, grew up in Buffalo. Uh, he, he agreed. There was definitely a pub on every corner. Excellent. Yeah. Wild well in Buffalo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're an while, example to us all. Whilst in Buffalo, he became a lawyer, which is impressive um, from pretty much nothing. He hated the firm he worked for to begin with, but eventually he got a job there as a lawyer. He met his good friend, Oscar Folsom, and started a law firm with him. He also met Folsom's wife and then their baby daughter, Uh, He then got involved. I'm just going to say got involved because we don't know all the details and let's not dwell on it anymore. But with Maria Halpin, all that happened. It was all very unclear, but we know that it was not pleasant. That's a depressing episode. Yeah. Um, Around the same time, he became the sheriff and then the governor and then the president. I mean, that sounds like it's going to be several episodes, but I mean, that would be one episode. Yeah. Because, oh, sorry, I missed out mayor. He became the mayor, the governor and then the president. But yeah, it happened rapidly. Then he marries his good friend's daughter. Oh, Oscar died in a tragic accident. We could That's have true. that. We could actually link that to some kind of weird conspiracy because we're making a film. Why not? That's true. So uh, yeah, uh, they get married in the White House. That's nice, isn't it? you could do something about that. Uh, he becomes president. He loses the presidency. He gets the presidency back. Uh, he has surgery on a yacht. Oh, that'd be a great episode. And uh, then the country starts falling apart. Uh, because people are fed up of the rich taking everything. I think think it's quite an interesting story. Yeah. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. I think it's five or six. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking mid-marks. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to go for five. Yeah, right. Here we go. Oh, look at
0: that tash.
1: Oh, yeah. This is not a bearded president. This is a mustachioed president. Our first one. I like that. Yeah. I do like that. I mean, you're getting bonus points for a mustache.
0: That is bushy as hell.
1: Yeah. That's... Imagine that
0: with the icicles in it. Oh, they're going down to his chin. (laughs) That is beautiful. And very stylistically similar to, like, Washington. You've got the red table, the dark wooden chair. Yeah, we're back
1: on the chair with the table and the dark red again. very Victorian now, very Dutch. It's not the best table and chair combo, because it's a bit zoomed in. Uh, there's no constitution lying there. There's no Roman buildings in the background. Well,
0: it's, it's that sort of like Victorian formality now, isn't it? Yeah. It's more sort
1: of stately rather than grand. I mean, it's got a bit more detail than just a plain
0: back- background, though. So I do like that. It's all right. I'm going six. I'm going five. I'm not as impressed as you. No, I should go six. I like the moustache too much.
1: Yeah, no, that is <laughs> that is the moustache that pulled it up a bit for me. So that is a total three. of three for canvas ability.
0: Bonus.
1: Terms. Two, non-consecutive, mm. which uh, toyed with the idea of a bonus point for that because he's the only p- person to do it. But then I thought, no. No, two terms. Yeah, two but terms. Two points. <laughs> if I liked the guy more, maybe he would have got a bonus point. Mm. Yeah. Uh, assassination, no. Mm. No, not even his doctors. <laughs> uh, election, if you get both of them and average them, you get one. However, we now have a discussion because He lost an election. Do we consider that? Should we say if you lose an election, you should have a point taken off you? Because if you lose the popular vote, you have a point deducted. Usually meaning you end up with zero because you probably didn't win by that much. It's been a while since I've explained how this particular round works because I worked it all out at the start. But (laughs) you get all elections that take place. Yeah. Successful elections that take place. You then get their electoral college wins and you get an average of what percentage they won their elections by. Right. Like a landslide or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There is a cutoff point at 70%. That I've said is a landslide. Cleveland, if you take his two uh, victorious elections, got 58% of the Electoral College. So he gets one point right. for his victories. But he lost an election, which is pretty bad. Yeah. So I'm thinking, take a point off. So zero. Zero. But he won an election. And I think for that, he needs 0.5. But we have had, in the past, presidents that won the election but lost the popular vote. And then he got one. they get zero. Really? Yeah Okay, alright, zero There we go, right, zero it is Cool <laughs> If I do decide to edit some of that out Just know that that conversation lasted a long time <laughs> <laughs> Two hours <laughs> Right, okay <laughs> Right American
0: or American.
1: Oh hell no! No, just definitely not. Absolutely no, definitely, not. Definitely not. No way in hell. Uh, we've come across some wrongins. But oh, he's one of them. He's one of them. Definitely. I think. I think it's safe to say I would not share a beer with him given the opportunity. No. Or oh, you could. You could do just as ask why. I would. Why? I'd spend the entire time having a beer, explaining what podcasts are in the future, and what score he got. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Okay, right, there we go. That's Cleveland, and that is our halfway point. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's quite cool. If we had done one episode per president, which was the original plan, uh, I think we even say that in the first episode, uh, this would have been Trump's episode. Wow. Yeah. We'd have finished. We would have done. Gosh. But we're doing two, so we're only halfway. Interesting. That also means that next time in the president slot, we do not have a president episode. Well, we do have a President episode, but we're not reviewing a President. We're having a mini-break to do a State of the Union episode, but a special halfway point with a mystery guest... In theory,
0: we've not actually completely set that up yet, so hopefully it will happen. I genuinely have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Rob is not discursive than me, but I'll go, yes, it's very exciting. I,
1: I assumed you'd seen through the Twitter personal no. message thing. No, you okay, clearly no. haven't read that Don't, Yeah, No, no, That's no. not. No, in theory, in theory, fingers crossed. Uh, okay. Probably should have organised it a bit more than that, <laughs> to be honest. So. Now I'm thinking about it. It's in two weeks, so we no, need it's to get exi- that sorted. That's nice, exciting. Nice. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're, we're going to do a halfway point to review. Nice. That's our plan next time unless the interview thing falls apart in which case we're just doing a normal episode uh,
0: so you'll find out soon enough <laughs> right okay <laughs> anyway thank you for downloading us on Podbean and iTunes, and thank you for following us on facebook and twitter and uh yeah uh,
1: do all the reviews and um happy president's day if you have to be listening to this in the future on president's day which it's not when we're recording no yeah,
0: and why would you listen to Grover Cleveland's second episode,
1: <laughs> fools? <laughs> there are definitely better episodes, better presence to, to focus on, on on this day, the holiest of days. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
0: Chad. Oh, um, hi. I I wasn't expecting you today. Well, today is inspection day of the, the new project. Obviously, a lot of money has invested in this, so we're hoping for something good. But the money you've invested has been spent brilliantly. I'll say that right away. This plinth,
1: rock solid. Well, that's good. I can see that. Are they dog footprints in the. Yeah, we'll we're, 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 we're sand that down or something. Okay. Um, yes, no, it's fine, it's fine. The plinth, okay. the plinth I am proud of the plinth. Okay. It's a good word, plinth.
0: It's, it's plinth. a very good plinth. Um, plinth. Any, any update on plinth. The, uh, the statue? This, sta- yes, no, well, um, I suppose you can see it, can't you? I can see a massive sheet. Yes, well, we decided it would be a surprise, a big... Big sheet, pull it off. Ah, so nothing has gone wrong? Wrong. You haven't put the sheet on because you're hiding anything? No, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. No, I can definitely say it is a statue. Ah, so could I see this statue then? Uh, Well, yes, obviously. Um, Quick question, did you ever see the design that the French sent over? We have many, many blueprints. Oh, so, so you do know what it's supposed to look like? From every angle. Right. OK. Interesting you say from every angle. You, you can
0: see a lot of the angles. Ah, because looking at the blueprints, it's well, it's not very angular. No. Um, no. Chad, yes? take off the sheet.
1: I, well, I, I really would. It, it takes a, a team of like a hundred people. Chad, oh.
0: take off the sheet. It's quite heavy. Pull it.
1: That's we're going to practice Operation Bed Sheet. Yeah, no. No, no. Yeah, no, I'm under orders. We're, we're doing it
0: Oh Dick. God almighty what what what's the matter? it It it's a bit more abstract than I was expecting. Yes, no oh. i I was surprised too.
1: Did, did you not see the revised uh... Uh, uh, plans the french no. sent over yes no well, they they decided last minute apparently uh, to, to to really go for a more more of a feel of america rather than a, a, a literal representation of a a personification of an ideal um, a
0: feel of Amer- it's like the feel of a of a car accident where, where the hell's the face oh well if you t-
1: turn your head sideways and yeah. if you look look no look further down further down Yes, by, by the feet. Oh, dear God. I mean That's half of oh. it. And I think the, the, the other eyes, I, 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 I want to say it's that bit there.
0: I, I don't know. Oh. Okay, I, I understand these are very stressful times. Instructions are hard to follow. You are under a time limit. I can forgive that. That will go in my report, Chad. Oh, oh good, good. But I do have one query. Yes. What's with the dragon?
1: He won't go. Um, It would appear... ah!
0: (laughs) Beer is spilling. Would you like a thing?
1: Word I can't see. I screamed halfway through a sentence. A manly, manly... Roar. Roar. A manly roar over my spilled beer. Uh,
0: (laughs) What sentence was I on? Um, Oh, yeah.